Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. My name is Kyle Nelson. Got my amazing co-host here, my good friend, Mr. Eli Libby. And we're super excited to have a very special guest today. Uh, someone that is a strategic e-commerce consultant, has tons of insight in e-commerce. We're going to talk about a little bit about 2022 and the trends you should look out for. Um, but before that, we want to give a shout out to How We're Fueled by yes. Altitude Everything Latte. You got your oat milk, your CBD, your superfoods, your chaga, your lion's it's got game. everything, man. It's going to get your brain it. wired to a way that you're thinking clearly you're focused you're focused man it's part of our routine with our uh with our podcast we're focused so shout Absolutely. out to altitude uh check them out at altitudebev.com i'm gonna crack mine open all right all i'm right. really looking forward to this episode yes but with rick, yeah, yeah rick watson um a lot of people uh in the e-commerce space know yep. him he's got a great linkedin following and he just provides so much mm. value Yes. It's just, it's insane. So we want to welcome the show, Mr. Rick Watson. Watson. <laughs> He's a strategic e-commerce consultant, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting. Uh, and he really talks about e-commerce strategy, sales, and marketing. And if you haven't yet, you need to listen to his weekly podcast called yes. the Watson Weekly Podcast. So Rick, welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, great to be on. Absolutely. Oh, man, it's great, great to have you here. Great to see you. Um, I know we've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. So. Yeah, no, it's great. And, and I see you drinking your, I don't know what's not in those things. I'm not sure how I'm going to keep up with you today. Yeah, it's, uh, I know. there's a lot of goodies in there that's, that gets us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We had a really funny podcast yesterday where <laughs> the guy's like, yeah, you know, half of those ingredients were just totally made up. What is a bunch of pixies? <laughs> I don't know. It was really funny. It was, it was a really good show. So uh, that's great. Well, awesome. Well, let's kick this thing yeah. off. So, Rick, why don't you kind of tell our audience a little bit about how you got started in e-commerce, kind of what your background is and how you kind of got into what you're doing today, which is consulting and, and really, you know, insightful about, you know, yeah. all the trends going on. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I got started sort of the, the farthest thing from a consultant you can imagine. I was a software engineer. Uh, so my background is in electrical engineering, computer science. I started out building software for uh, one of the earliest companies in the e-commerce game called Channel Advisor, which is building uh, mm -hmm. software for marketplace sellers, uh, but which which seems like old hat now, but in 99 uh, and 2000, back in the ice age of e-commerce, oh, of, 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 of e um, th this was a, a, a pretty new idea that people were gonna yeah. make a living on online marketplaces, number one. And number two is that big companies would sell on marketplaces too. And so uh, that, that was really the vision of the company back to the beginning and, and it helped a lot with software and technology uh, through that company. And then kind of over my career, just kind of migrated more toward the business side and leading product teams and, and, and companies. And so that's kind of how I got my start in e-commerce. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know we were kind of scrolling through your LinkedIn and, and saw some really cool positions that you held with like Barnes and Noble, Pitme Bows. Walk yeah. us through that. Walk us through some of the like what you were doing with those companies and how you kind of strategically helped and, them align. And I just want to piggyback on that. Yeah. yeah. When uh, just about, you know, Barnes and Noble, was this during the period of the great exodus of like bookstores like Borders and and did you kind of help that strategic mm. uh, move with Barnes mm. and Noble? Yeah, so um this was back in 2011 and Barnes and Noble had already kind of Missed the boat a little bit vis-a-vis -vis Amazon, given that Amazon yeah. had already been around for ten years. And like, oh, I, I guess this is going to be a big thing. And they hired a new CEO and a new president a uh, couple years before I joined. And online was a big part of their strategy. And okay. part of that was to help um, 
expand the selection of their e-commerce store by adding an online marketplace. So really the concept where third-party sellers are, are allowed to sell products through the Barnes & Noble website okay. directly against the product pages there. And so previously, Barnes & Noble was selling books and shipping books only. And that was the only thing right. that the warehouse could ship, essentially things that were shaped like this, you know, shaped yeah, like the size yeah. of a book. And so anything else, the warehouses couldn't even ship. And so if, if we're going to expand into other categories, and if you look at, even if you go to Barnes & Noble today, although there are fewer of them than there were maybe 15 years ago, right. um, you can see things like gifts and toys and electronics and baby products. Yeah. And um, there are a number of different products that aren't books that are in there that fit with the image and brand of Barnes & Noble. So that was really the idea behind that and helping them figure out like, what does this marketplace mean to us? What categories make sense? How do we attract sellers? Why doesn't it, why did, what was someone want to sell here versus Amazon or both? Wow. Uh, what do we charge them? How do we onboard sellers? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, all, all these things kind of related to setting up that, that part of the business um, mm. within BarnesandNoble.com. That's cool. Wow. That's really cool to kind of hear the origin story about like, yeah. the, the kind of the early battle. I know. Yeah. I mean, even just like, and it's kind of off topic, but like you're saying <clears throat> items that are pretty much um, complementary to books and stuff. There are certain toys that we only can get out of Barnes and Noble for our kids. There's like certain like things that only Barnes and Noble sells. So it's hmm. interesting. It kind of piggybacks on the marketplace. It's like, what are people looking for at Barnes and Noble? Like, why would that bring yeah. you in outside of books? So that's hmm. cool. So yeah, I, I, I think for for them it was, you know, it's a very family oriented mm -hmm. uh, place. Uh, kids and their parents go there, and so products yeah. that they are looking for that that was really kind of the match that we were looking for. So that's cool. I used to spend a lot of time in Barnes and Noble oh, back in the day. Love it. Little little Starbucks. I used to want to be. Did I tell you I want to be a rocket scientist back in the day? I, I don't know if you I ever told you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I used to like read all these like magazines, like NASA magazines, just sitting in Barnes and Noble for hours. My mom would drop me off. That didn't work out. Anyway, um, <laughs> thanks for sharing some of that, Rick. That's really yeah. cool to hear some of the insight. And I think our listeners are going to really yeah. like that. So. so let's kind of speed it up. 2021 yeah. in, in e-commerce. What were some of the things that you saw that were big mm. um, shifters in e-commerce? Like we've got these Amazon aggregators mm -hmm. that have like mm -hmm. blown up in 2021. We've mm -hmm. got all these new streamlined. Anyways, we'll let you take the floor. Yeah. I mean, um, so I think a couple of things. Number one is uh, kind of the in previous years, the big problem was there aren't, isn't enough capacity in the supply chain, meaning usually mm -hmm. in between the warehouses and the consumers' homes to actually get mm -hmm. products there on time. This year, the script was almost totally flipped in that <laughs> because of COVID outages and labor shortages, which we really didn't see quite as much last year, supply mm -hmm. chain was on every retailer's mind, every brand's mind, mm -hmm. everyone, it seems like everyone at every street corner knew what the cost of a container from China was, yeah, how, how much they cost this that's year true. compared to last year. Um, yeah. Whereas no one would think about what a container even was, much right. less how a product gets exactly. to you. But we all became very familiar with it. So that's probably the thing I would kick off with interesting. Uh, in, in 2021. That is interesting. No, that's <laughs> a good point. I think... I mean, a huge, huge shift in everything with COVID happening. So that was a, it was yeah. an interesting year in e-commerce, but a, an explosive year as well, yeah. right? Yeah, the, you know, the, the growth has continued to be explosive. I would say toward the second half of the year with more vaccines, particularly in the U.S., 
Mm. Um, retail has started to snap back, particularly in okay. Q3, where the growth has been uh, significant. And e-commerce, even though it's still growing, it looks like yep. it's growing less than last year because everyone just compares to the prior year. They're like, oh, sure. e-commerce is only growing 15%. Like, well, it's... Yeah, compared to a 200% growth last year. So it's still doing quite well. And so I think e-commerce growth is definitely another, um, another, you know, big trend that that continues. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as we get into 2022 as well. Absolutely. I keep hearing a lot of stuff about retail coming back in 2022. And how e-commerce is helping fuel that. Right. Mm -hmm. And these experiences are trying to build um, for like in person retail. So it has a quick experience, um, very streamlined, just like on online. All right? done through that commerce mm-hmm. kind of experience. Yeah. And look, I, I was sitting on Target's earnings call this morning, which I, I think to me is one of the best examples of someone mixing and True. using sure. their stores, literally using their stores to power their digital footprint. Like very few companies really do. And to me, this, the stat that really brings it home to me is 95% of their e-commerce Fulfillment happens from their stores. Whoa. Which just kind of blows you away. And you're like, who else is doing this at that scale? There are are very few companies that you can name that are even approaching that number. I mean, you think about when you go to Target, usually the pickup line up front is typically longer than the actual checkout line. (laughs) Sitting there waiting to pick up the online order. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My wife's there all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> way too much stuff I, yeah. well um, you, her and apparently many other people yeah their 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 stats yeah. are are yeah. are really crazy so i think that blend of and so you mentioned retail coming you know sort of like on the rebound i would say good retail is on the rebound bad retail is still yeah. declining yeah. very quickly <laughs> um there's still yeah. lots of stores closures um and so i think that's um, yeah. that's something to continue to watch. I totally agree. I mean, we talk about it all day from the media perspective, but omni-channel media is so important, but mm-hmm. the omni-channel shopping experience and just using yeah. commerce in general uh, has been massive. I mean, with, with the pandemic, I know I've used um, like pickup orders all the time, like oh, Home yeah. Depot. Like I've been, I've never used that before. Too. It's just like, huh. yeah, it's a great experience. So before we dive into 2022, I'm, Super curious, Rick. You, you say you're on all you, you spend a lot of time in these earnings calls and you're really absorbing all this information. Is that typically where and I, I know you're putting out incredible LinkedIn content? If you guys haven't followed Rick, go follow him. Is that where you're really really looking for your information? Or how are you how are you gathering this information and putting out such good content? Uh, um, I mean, yeah, they're they're really three, they're really three sources, I would say generally. One is just from my experience and background. So when I work with a client. <laughs> When I, if I remember a situation from earlier in my career, I'm like, this is something I really screwed up. I'm like, let me talk to you about it. <laughs> or this is something I thought I did well. Um, or this is something I'm you know, nervous about or scared about or how I felt in this situation. So personal experience um, from a corporate or like actually strictly a personal perspective is, is yeah. one source of content. Second is, um, I just I, I think those earnings calls are useful because and there are obviously tons of financial people that follow it because you know someone predicted they would make five dollars but they made four dollars. Like to exactly. be honest, I, I could care less. Like yeah, exactly. like did they predict it properly? What I care most about is like, is this a good management team? Why are they making the decisions that they're making? 
And mm -hmm. what does that mean for them compared to who else they're competing with? And as a result, what does that mean for companies that are in the space that are relying on these companies? So like if you're a seller and you're not following what Shopify and Amazon are doing, then you're really not following e-commerce right. from, from my point of view. <laughs> um, obviously, there are plenty of other players, but those are big ones that affect everyone's world in some way. Um, so, th so that's that's the second one, and then third, I think it's just current events and news. So mm. there's always new things that are happening. Absolutely. This company bought this one. This company yeah. added yeah. added new capabilities and things. And so just writing about not um, there are a lot of people that wrote like that had happened. Target did X. Like yeah, that's great. A lot of people can write Target did X. Mm -hmm. I, I want to understand why. What does that mean? Why did it happen? Who did it? Yep. And kind of analyzing those things that's that's really what gets me excited because uh it just i've i've always just been in, interested in um how people to me it gets down to the people and the talent and sure. and how to how to perform well at, at really anything in your life mm -hmm. and it usually starts with the fundamentals like making good decisions and being with great people yeah. exactly <laughs> who's in your sphere like who's in your sphere of influence yeah. Making decisions with who's your soundboard? Absolutely. Well, I think we should dive into 2022. Yeah, yeah. And just out of um, just out of personal, just yeah. Like, I would love to really touch on like Walmart specifically and kind of what they're doing mm. in 2022. And then I would love yep. to kind of touch into this whole Amazon aggregate. I was just. It's like that. every day, oh. or tech crunch is like so and so <laughs> got another 500 million, so and so got a billion. I would love to see the what new valuation. Your, yeah, the new your thoughts are on what that's doing for the new sellers and how that's affecting them trying to launch into the space and if e-commerce. So, but yeah, that, if you have some stuff you want to start with, let's let's do it. Yeah, let's look a high snapshot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of 2022 and then we'll kind of dive in here yeah i mean look the the big things is i think the biggest thing people were looking for is kind of the easing of a of supply chain shortages um and and most people think that the the crunch of you know what is it 85 container ships outside of the port of los angeles and right. long beach yeah. you know something yeah. like it like it keeps increasing i think it's easing now that they're working 24 7 uh, yeah something like that um mm -hmm. so when is that going to ease i think i haven't seen anyone who predicts that's going to happen sooner than the middle of next year so that's i think wow. that's one thing for us to look for in 2022 yep. i think on the back of that the other big problem that every retailer logistics company is facing is later labor shortage Right. And the big challenge there is there are no, there is no one predicting that will ease soon. Right. It is not going to be easy to hire people. And I think we have, to me, one, and, and I don't hear a lot of people talking about this. I think the effect of reduced immigration to the U.S. Mm -hmm. maybe brought on by COVID, I think is really being undersold because you have a lot of people that are out of work in the U.S. And then you have a lot of open jobs, which to me means... Well, yeah. there's not always a fit, but which is sort of natural, right? Mm -hmm. Between the open jobs and who is looking for what specific mm -hmm. job. But then if you're coming to this country as an immigrant, you're more likely to take any opportunity that comes to yeah. you and you're happy to be here. Um, and so I think immigration is sort of an interesting thing to keep an eye on next year. That's fascinating. Like you said, there's not really many people talking about that. Mm -mm. I think that's a super unique perspective on what's going to happen in 2022. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. 
yeah, no, obviously, I think some of that is COVID induced, like what well, people oh. are traveling less, you can't get yeah. across borders. Yeah, so it's not, you know, you know, I don't, I don't mean to make it out into anything, anything other than it's just a it's, a, it's important for the US, particularly as a first world Ooh. country, we make fewer babies and other countries that are growing faster and yeah, as a result yeah, yeah. immigration is right. more important to us on a relative basis than yep. other countries for the growth of the country so that's the second thing i think you know one of the things that i've started following in the last couple of months is really nfts and the, the adoption of bitcoin mm -hmm. in in yeah. retail and yep. one signal for me is you see nike patenting the production of digital okay. goods yeah. for its products yeah. And if there's anyone that's a leader in the sector, that's a brand that you pay attention to, it's Nike. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's fascinating. I'd love to hear what you guys think about kind yeah. of digital digital goods and that kind of thing. It is so far. I, I don't I'm not fully into it yet. I don't I don't understand the uh, Nike putting on a digital shoe. Right. Is that what you're kind of talking about? Yeah. Shoe? So, right. yeah, they're, they're putting it. Uh, yeah. They're allowing you to create and they're giving you sort of digital content related to the shoe that yeah. you bought and there's a patent for like creating digital hybrids yep. of shoes yeah. it's yep it's really wild it's extremely wild <laughs> I, mean, I'm, I don't know if it's anything we're looking at but i would imagine it also is like the the push to this whole metaverse like uh -oh. you know Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Like, hey, I have this shoe yeah. with my goggles on. I can put them on. I can see them. And in this other reality, yep. it's an actual physical good that I know Jim in this virtual reality wants this shoe. Although, yeah. I mean, that's how I look at it. Absolutely. It's like this whole new world we're entering. And I feel like NFTs in a way are kind of going to start fueling that. Yep. That's how I look at it. Like we said before, Rick, in this drink, we've got that Rishi and stuff. He started really hitting them. It's really hitting them now. Uh, I don't yeah, know. No, I, I, think I get it. Point. It's another thing. Another thing I look at it too is it's another thing for everyone to focus on. Totally. It's like this other new cool yep. thing that everyone's doing. Yep. It's a way to make your money. Just like you know, everyone's still saying you can get in early with crypto. Although yep. everyone was saying that five years ago, get in early with NFT. It's still going to be the same. Thing Absolutely. Here in the next in yeah. the yeah. future. So, how these NFTs are going to be used? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're investments. It's a place to sit your money. Yeah. Of course. But uh, I don't know. I think it's a whole. It is. Know, maybe it's a little Facebook metaverse move too. Uh, it, I don't it, know. it definitely gonna... could be. I, I think it's a good point, Kyle. I in in the commerce space, we are we're seeing a lot of these. Um, virtual storefronts like mm -hmm. we've seen there's a couple of companies that are that we've been talking to that are coming out with these virtual digital storefronts where you can actually like, mm -hmm. walk in and actually yeah, shop yeah, yeah. yeah. seen mm -hmm. we've seen that so i don't know if that pertains to that i don't know if nike can play in, in that yeah. space but yeah i think that would be interesting and then <clears throat> you guys mentioned amazon aggregator and i think that's yes super interesting and you're right it, it i mean it's almost like supply chain news this year you know the yeah. other Number two trend was people investing in e-commerce businesses and mm -hmm. anyone you never met before is like, oh, I just, I own three e-commerce companies or I'm yeah. an angel, inv everyone's an angel investor, yeah. number one. Uh, oh. And then <clears throat> it seems like the Amazon aggregator business is, is, is huge. There are people buying Shopify um, mm -hmm. businesses as well. And I, I think the smartest part, segment of this trend are people who find brands on Amazon that could be more generally applicable brands and kind of launch them beyond Amazon mm, yeah. <clears throat> because that gives them, you know, retail as a footprint to me, the people that are buying Amazon businesses to make them bigger Amazon businesses. Yeah. I really worry about those folks because Amazon is a very fickle place. 
Uh, you, you could be shut down for any number of reasons in or out of your control. And it's essentially like you're renting, like it's not yours. It's, it's theirs. And you're, you know, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's all about diversifying at the end of the day. I mean, got to make sure you have all those retail. Mm -hmm. yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of it too is a race to the bottom in terms of pricing, Amazon. just trying to get to page one. Uh, reviews well, and price. And the problem with the Amazon levers. too is like, it's so minimal the amount of branding you can do on that. It's right. A, it's a marketplace. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's what they're used for. Whereas, you know, Shopify, yeah. you know, it's building brand, not product where Amazon's about building product. Exactly. hundred so percent. Brand is, over product. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. But you yeah, have no to one be, cares. Yeah. No, no one cares what your brand is on Amazon. No, they want to see, see how many reviews, five star reviews you have. Mm -hmm. Is it going to serve the problem that I have? And is, is it cheap? affordable? Yeah. That's and am I going to get it in two <laughs> days or in two weeks? Yeah, exactly. But you have to be there for the brand. Yeah. They really so need to be a lot of times the brand has to be there. Um, I, I think the downstream effects of this Amazon aggregator space and people raising billions of dollars to buy Amazon brands is it's getting harder for Amazon as a small seller. I think number one. So the bigger getting bigger and the smaller are getting squeezed. If you don't have like used to be, you could just throw any product up there. You didn't even need to advertise it. Mm -hmm. well, you could throw if you could build, there. if you could build up reviews, reviews were the fuel yeah. of everything. Now reviews on their own. Good luck getting a review if you're not advertising. Well, good luck right. being seen at all if you're not advertising. So advertising is table stakes now. Uh, yep. Reviews are still important, but you not only you need an optimized supply chain, um, and you need to be balancing between FBA, which seems like the size of FBA allocation right. keeps going smaller, yet it, Prime is still important. Mm -hmm. So I haven't, you know, hopefully Amazon solves those capacity constraints, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we, we hear the, the battle. I mean, aggregators is, is you hear that more <laughs> commerce news, but accelerators as well. What are your yeah. thoughts on accelerators moving into 2022? I know pattern is a big one. Yeah, Maybe I think pattern is a big one. Um, Spreetail is another one I've heard. I, I think even, uh, I think the hut group is also doing something similar. I'm not hundred percent if it's the same model. It's hard to tell always from the outside. Yeah. what someone's model is, but the way I kind of view aggregators versus accelerators, aggregators most often are buying the brand outright, the entire yeah. brand. Yep. And then accelerators are just buying the inventory. Yeah. Um, and the brand is continuing to operate. I think to me, I think acquisitions are so hard that mm -hmm. there, there are some things I like about the accelerator model in that you're just a service provider. You don't necessarily have to pick a winner. If, if someone is winning, you buy more. If someone is not winning, you buy less and you buy something right. else. Whereas if you if you buy a company, that's yours. And I, I don't know what you guys hear about stats of buying companies, but something like 80% of acquisitions fail. Yeah. And yeah. no one no one thinks that applies to the aggregator market, but it will. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I lean more towards the accelerator model. Yeah, as well. I think they both have their formulas and their machines. They throw mm -hmm. these brands in. You know, they got their clearly something's strategies. working. Something's these working. Valuations but, are nuts. Um, the accelerator, I think, makes them more nimble. They're able to yeah. move quicker and slower, like you're saying, Rick. So, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. What else? Do you um, have? Anything else? <clears throat> yeah, you mentioned Walmart, and I think it probably makes yeah. sense that if we're going to talk about Walmart, to talk a little bit more about grocery and sure. this whole quick commerce yeah. trend, which is another big, big thing that's happened. Everyone needs, uh, 
you know, their, their bar of soap in five minutes or their, you yeah. know, their, their bread or their milk in two, two minutes. I mean, literally I hit a button on the phone and then the, my doorbell rings. Yeah. I mean, is that truly necessary? I mean, uh, really? Isn't there, isn't there, <laughs> for my wife it is. I, yeah. Yeah. She loves it. Yeah. Same here. My wife 90% of the target sales. So. So, so I think that the battle is really between the traditional grocers, Walmart, Kroger, Albertsons, and yeah. the all these quick commerce guys. And I think the trend I'm seeing is that the quick commerce ones are more toward the convenience-oriented items, like things you might find. Like I'm in New York City, you might find in a bodega, you know, in the in the suburbs, it might be a convenience store, like a like a Walgreens or or, or, some, or a CVS or something like that, where they might have a little mini grocery in there, but it's not really like right. your your weekly staples versus Walmart, they have such scale, so they many are. stores, such buying power mm -hmm. that I think that they're going to eventually figure it out and maybe right. kill some of these, so at least some of these players off. Right. Totally. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's huge. Isn't there a, is there a, um, a service in, in Asia? I heard about it on some Robin Hood podcast that they're, it's the same kind of thing, same concept, super quick convenience mm. um, within like 10 minutes of ordering. Is that, is, have you heard of that? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I, yeah, I'm sure there's not just one. I'm sure there's like three dozen of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. really depending on where you are. Yeah. Uh, it definitely, Europe is is also super huge in this, in this mm -hmm. concept, concept too. So you have kind of the upstarts, which... I mean, all of them have really strange names that you can't pronounce, or they're not really words, yeah. uh, like words. <laughs> bike or 15, 20 minutes yeah. in, in New York City, or Gitter, yeah. that's yeah. another one. That's um, and then you have the DoorDashes and the Grubhubs and the Uber Eats who are like, hey, we've been here, let's do grocery too. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of a battle there as well. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I think grocery is going to be a, a, a super interesting space. Instacart too. That's just yep. like dominating. Yeah. A whole nother conversation. But is there uh, is there a certain uh, sec? This is going to be a multi part question. Is there uh, is there a specific sector or company that you're looking at in 2022 being really a big mover and kind of a shaker in the in the e commerce space? Uh, I mean, it's. It, it's it's kind of hard to pick one if you're kind of yeah. looking at i i really want to see what you know and and you guys mentioned it to, to me walmart is the the interesting one because they're the one that everyone forgets about yeah. I, I think i think target has yeah. been investing pretty much the same way for the past five or six years walmart yeah. is one that's been placing a lot of little bets on sometimes seemingly random things like they had this drone investment and they mm -hmm. you know you know, you know, just these different topics where, yeah, a lot of testing is micro fulfillment in their stores right. and which ones they really gravitate towards. I'm really interested in following just because they're such a big player that when they move, yeah. uh, mm. kind of the They've whole markets, different. yeah, the whole markets yeah, move, move, move with them and it affects, it affects everyone. They've got footprint. They can move fast. They've got the, the people, the logistics, the space. I mean, when they when they double down on something, they can they can bring market to market fast. That's one thing that I've noticed about Walmart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think the other side on Amazon, I, I keep waiting for them to accelerate their retail investments. And okay. it seems like they, yeah, yeah. they 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 open, you know, they're opening 
it seems it feels to me like a couple of Amazon Fresh locations every couple of months. So often, and yeah. Amazon is usually someone who is known for doing things very quickly. Like totally. if you look at their logistics network, you know, speaking of earnings calls, another earnings call that was in the last month is Amazon said they doubled their logistics footprint in the last 18 months. Wow. Wow. Double. That's 18 months. I don't, even know how. I don't even know how they could. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So they're like, we, we solved capacity is what they said. I'm like, oh, did you? I'm like, that's, that's nice. You solved capacity. <laughs> <laughs> must, must be yeah. nice to have more yeah, money than anyone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. That's fascinating. Hmm. Do you keep up with um, electric vehicle kind of stuff? Uh, not, yeah, yeah, not not quite as much. Other than yeah. you know, when whenever Elon pulls his Twitter followers, to ask him yeah. when to sell his own company stock. That's I really pay attention to that. Yeah, what, what is up with that? By the way, I was really confused by that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's really just a. I mean, he's a, an interesting dude. He's a very <laughs> interesting. On his own, on his own way, whenever he wants. Yeah, it's like. Well, yeah. It's very it's very hard to bet against Elon Musk. I mean, that's what I will say. He's a, he's just a smart sure. guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's interesting too looking at Rivian with um the backing of Amazon and Ford uh -huh. behind. Them. Yeah, that's what I think I it's think. a super super interesting uh topic to follow just because Amazon's behind them. Yeah. Well, it's Ford, but all they got to do is put it on their homepage. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think it's fascinating. I think over the next couple of years, this is not a space I follow tr to yep. a tremendous degree, but it, it's pretty clear that in 10 years, not many of us are going to be driving gasoline powered vehicles. You know, it's going to be like, it's going to be like this, the manual mm -hmm. transmission of, of, of the future. Yeah, you'll be able to find them, but yeah. not, a, not a whole cool. lot of them. Good way to look at it. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, I'll have a little craft or something floating around <laughs> kind of my plan anything else be floating <laughs> yeah that'll be fun yeah well awesome rick well, we really appreciate your time man Absolutely. kind of talking about those trends um we always like to ask our guests if there's one thing that you hope the guests uh, our listeners take away from so maybe in your case one one trend really everyone should be focusing on what would that be yeah i mean to me it's it's about your employees at this stage because mm -hmm. with particularly if you're employees, you're, if you're somewhere in the digital realm, which I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are, they're doing things online or they're starting their own business. And, and how can you yeah. not be con connected to the internet or, you know, somewhere broadly, digital talent is so hard to get. And yeah. when you have it, it's not easy to keep. And so there's one thing I would encourage everyone to do, just like pay attention to are your employees enjoying working with you and are you investing in them? Uh, you know, are they, are you having a good time together? Do you, does it feel like you're going in the right direction or does it feel like a struggle where every, every two months your employees were coming to you and saying like, ah, you know what, not that much history going on here. And yeah. I don't feel like you care whether I leave or not. I mean, that's, that's not a good place yeah. to be as a, as a business owner. hundred percent. Culture, especially in the culture is everything with the company 100 especially in the digital era of working remote i mean that's yeah. that's huge to be able to build culture digitally mm -hmm. virtually yeah it's so awesome, hard Rick. well thank you so much man and if people want to find you follow you on your podcast or get uh get some information about your consulting where can they do that yeah they can do that um my website rmwcommerce.com uh they can find it there or search for me on linkedin rick watson 
uh, and I'll come up there. Awesome, Rick. Well, thank you so much, man, for your time. That was a very insightful conversation. Absolutely. We could go for another couple hours. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, you'll need one. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Awesome, Rick. Well, we look forward to talking again soon, man. All right. Thanks a lot. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the Biz Bros Podcast. Go ahead and just uh, Google Biz Bros Podcast. You're going to find us. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And we look forward to talking to you in the next episode of our podcast. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys.